Welcome everybody to the next episode of Chiefs Focus First and Ten. You are here with JP and Caleb on a beautiful Monday night. How you doing, bro? I'm doing all right, man. Just dealing with the allergies. How are you doing? Same exact problem. If we both sound like shits, because we both got allergy issues. So um, it's crazy. You miss for that. take your medicine one day and look what happens to you. Yeah, man. Face <laughs> got a cold. <laughs> yeah, I mean our problem out here is it was sixty. 64 degrees mm-hmm. on Saturday, and it was 93 gotcha. today. Oh, yeah, I could do that change. 30, oh, almost 30 degrees. Yeah, yeah, man. I just missed taking my allergy medicine one day. Somehow I forgot. Next thing I know, boom. Oh, so, I know it. It'll kick <laughs> yeah. your butt. Well, but the reason we're having this quick impromptu show is because there's been a lot of chatter on Twitter about Julio Jones, Brashad Breeland, all the trade rumors, scenarios or lack thereof scenarios just outright goofiness and when it really all comes down to it it's a matter of numbers and it's a matter of who plays the game the right way I don't know any other way of saying this so I know you know because you and I have talked about this and there was something put out today about Julio Jones well not something a lot of things put out about Julio Jones today and a lot of it had to do with what our cap is right now per the NFLPA, which is never completely consistent, no matter what anyone says. It could it's say not when, set in stone. It's never set in stone. Um, Julio Jones, and he did something today. It was actually kind of comical with uh, Shannon Sharp. Thought it was pretty good. Um, Shannon called him live on air, and he basically just... <laughs> He made the Cowboys and Skip Bayless look like idiots. Um, it was funny. It was funny. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, just given the fact that he says, you know, basically he said, you know, if he wants to stay in Atlanta, he said, he doesn't want to stay there and he doesn't want to go to the Cowboys. I want to win. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's basically, I thought that was kind of funny yeah. that Shannon did that because I have never expected to see that happen on no. air. But this honestly is a way how we should actually know how the players feel sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we need to hear what they have to say. Okay, yeah, you guys say okay. They, they can speak something through their agent. You're not gonna get the same passion behind behind their voice unless you actually hear it. So when you saw saw that, literally, Julio Jones said, "I'm out of there." He yeah. doesn't want to be with the Falcons, and he really don't want to be the Cowboys. He wants to win. If Julio wants to win and go to Super Bowl and win, he needs to come to Kansas City. Yeah, Atlanta barbecue. Land oh, of the man. Dubs. This is the greatest place on earth. It is. He needs to come to Kansas City if he really wants to win. Uh, you know, and it's no different than what Aaron Rodgers did today. You know, he was Kenny Mayne's last guest, apparently, on his show. And um, Kenny Mayne asked him, you know, he says, you know, what made you join the show? He says, oh, I'm just here so I won't get fined. That's funny <laughs> shit. It I don't is. care who you are. That's funny, man. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is funny anyway, but that's funny. Regardless, this post that went out today... You know about the, you know our salary cap and what we have left in our, you know, numbers. Okay, it's it's a scenario. Okay, it's it's a what if. It's it's there's nothing set in stone when it comes to the 9.4 million dollars that the you know NFLPA or anybody else says that we have. That is a number that is basically just on paper right now. There's so much yeah, time left. In, in stone. There's nothing set in stone. There's a lot of time left in this season. 
uh, or in this offseason, I should say. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and August. And I just get so frustrated with all of the chatter and the crap that flies out of people's mouths. It really honestly doesn't mean a whole lot. Look, I'm going to say this. The salary cap is a myth. Okay, it's, we've proven that. It's how you manage the salary cap. It's a, I mean, it, it, it's a number, okay? It's, there is a number there. There is a cap. But that cap can be manipulated in so many different ways. And we proved, we've proven this time and time again over the last two and a half, three years. So as far as Julio is concerned, okay, I'm going to break this down. Now, I don't want anybody to take this for any kind of admission that he's coming here or that I know he's coming here or anything of that nature because that's not how I'm, why I'm wording it this way or why I'm even bringing it up. I'm doing it for basically just reality stake. Okay. I mean, that's all it really is. It's just a reality check. So right now the cap hit for Julio Jones for Atlanta is $23 million. Hmm. Okay. Now let me, let me break this down. So it's basically 23 million Let's see. Let me let me let me word it a different way. It, it, that way, it doesn't sound so enormous. So for the next season, it'll be twenty-three million if they keep him. That's his salary for this next upcoming season. Okay. Now, Atlanta can work this different ways to fix this problem. Okay. So Julio Jones is going to have a twenty-three million dollar cap hit next season, which is meaning the 22 season. Um. The thing with Atlanta is right now, they're going to have a $25 million hit uh, to get under just to add to their talent, sign their rookies, sign Mm -hmm. their free agents, and everybody else that they've got to try and rebuild this team with. Cutting him is definitely not an option. Okay? That can't happen. Oh, yeah. They will have have no room to finagle or work with anything. Well, if they cut him, you got to look at it like this. They'll lose $15 million and they'll have $38 million in dead money. Okay? It's just that simple. That's their dead cap space. Okay? Dead money. Just dead. It has nowhere to go. There's nothing they can do. Now, if they were to cut him post-June 1st, they gain zero cap, but it is about... A, it's still a $23 million in dead money, no matter how you look at it. Okay? Now, let's look at it in a different perspective. This is what I posted earlier on Twitter because I was trying to counteract something that was said which made, I don't know, some sense and then not at all really, but regardless. Okay, so if they trade him, trade people post-June 1st, this is a trade scenario, okay? This is the best case scenario for Atlanta at this point. He doesn't want to be there. They want to trade him because mm-hmm. they need the money. It's that simple. Originally, they thought they were going to get a first. He's a 32-year-old wide receiver. With a well, they're not going to get a first. They're not going to get a first. Not. If he was like a 31, 30, 31, may, 30, yeah, 31 they would maybe be able to sweep out like a, a basically early second round pick between 27 and 32. Correct. So if you look at it from that scenario, okay, and say they take – they trade him post June 1st. They lose about two hundred dollars or two hundred thousand in cap space. Okay, they would carry twenty three million at dead money. Now, that's prior. That's that's. I'm sorry, I take that back. That is 
pre-June 1st. Now, if they do this post-June 1st, okay, after June 1st, they'll actually gain 15 million in cap space and they'll only have 7 million in dead space, dead cap space. Okay, mm-hmm. that's the best case scenario for these guys, for for the Atlanta, and for Julio for that matter, and really for Nick, for a smart GM and a smart team that goes after him. There's so many different scenarios that you can work this to make it work for a team that has a little bit of cap space to work with, may not want to spend it all, kind of mm-hmm. like how we are for the most part, and so still let- come out ahead. So let me ask you this just to kind of dumb it down for the fans because I understand kind of what you're talking about. So basically you're saying if Atlanta trades or cuts Julio Jones before June 1st, it's going to be a major cap hit for them as a team. If Is that correct? Well, basically it's, it's, it's going to be – it's more of a dead money scenario than it is so a major it's gonna cap mess up- hit. So basically, if they do something Julio Jones before June 1st, their cap's going to be messed up for the next year or two, correct? Correct. So, so if they trade him, cut him, whatever, after June 1st, the damage is less. But if they just outright release him, it's just terrible for the cap. Well, they can't cut him at all. I mean, because oh, he's can't. got so much guaranteed money. His money, I think he's got like $66 million mm-hmm. in guaranteed money. So... They're, you're basically saying if they cut him prior June 1st or after June 1st. Trade. His... Trade. Only. Trade oh, only. So, okay. If they trade if they, him. If they if... cut him at all, he they're screwed. I well, mean, that's either way they so go, if, they're screwed. So if yeah. you're saying if they cut him prior June 1st or after June 1st, their cap is messed up. If they trade him June fir- prior June 1st, it's not going to work out with them financially. But if they trade him after June 1st, that's when teams are going to target him, correct? Well, certain teams, correct. And that's only, now you have to understand, that is a team that is very savvy with contracts, that can work this, and also Julio has to agree to some of this as well. Mm -hmm. Now the one thing that he has made very clear is he wants to go to a winner, okay, he wants to go to a contender. So, and again people, I don't want you to think for one second that I'm saying he's coming here tomorrow, anything like that. Am I saying it's very possible? It is. I mean, best case scenario really, with in my opinion, if he was going to go somewhere, probably the Packers. But I don't know if he's going to go to the Pats simply because, from what I understand now, they don't really want to trade within that division. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I would much rather, if I was the Falcons, I would take a situation post-June 1st, after uh-huh. June 1st. I don't lose $23 million. I don't lose $38 million. I don't lose anywhere near that. I trade him for a second round pick and then whatever team that <clears throat> it may be, you work it out with that team that 30 to 50% of whatever his salary is, is split between the two teams. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you take that number. If it's <clears throat> whatever the case may be, just say it's, you know, 14 million, just say it's 9 million, 11.4 million, 11.5 million. If you take that number and you split it in half, or you take 30% of that away, then it's feasible for a team that has really $13 million in cap mm-hmm. space when it's all said and done, not $9 million, but oh, about okay. $13 million, to be able to sign him, restructure his deal. Even if you signed him to, say, a one-year with an option or a three-year with an out, come that third season, or even if you did a four-year, 
and you come to that fourth season, yes, he's going to be 35 years old. Are you going to put all your money into a 35-year-old? No, you're not. So you put What if yourself... he has a resurgence in his career, though? <clears throat> well, even if he doesn't, then that's great for you. Then you can... What have we done numerous times in the past? We put people in bonus structured contracts, incentive-based contracts, and all that. All we can do is move that money around. But mm-hmm. my point is, is that Atlanta will lose about se- they'll have about seven million in dead cap space. They'll gain uh-huh. fifteen million dollars in real cap money. Mm-hmm. Okay, then if say you eat, they eat a portion of his salary. So then you bring it well, down they're going to have to if anyone's yeah. going to trade one. They're going to have exactly. to at least half. They're going to maybe 30 to 40. I'm going to say 30 to 50 percent. So just say they eat 30 percent of it. So that'll mm-hmm. bring them down to what? 9.5 million in that range in, in, in cap space ahead. They can spread the 7 million in dead space around for the next two or three years and they should be OK. They can pay their rookies. They can pay their rebuild their, to restructure their team and they can move forward and move on with their lives. Julio can move on with his life and everybody's happy. If you get a savvy GM that can work this deal out, and if anybody has one right now, it's the Chiefs, that can work a deal out to make this happen, and Julio agrees to this situation, which I don't know why he wouldn't, given the fact that we are a number one contender to go to the Super Bowl again this year, especially with what we've done in the offseason, and the fact that we still have the best quarterback in football, the best head coach in football, the best offensive coordinator in football, the best tight end in football, the best wide receivers in football. We got CEH. We've revamped our defense except for maybe one player, one position player, I should say, or skill mm-hmm. player. We are in a position that no one else could deny. This would be a great scenario for him. Am I saying it's going to happen tomorrow? No, I'm not. Am I, gonna, am I even saying it's going to happen June 1st? No, I'm not. Do I say there's a chance? Hell yes. There's a chance. Now, best case scenario for the for them would be to eat the seven million, spread it out over a couple, three years, work the deal out with whatever team that may want him. Okay. And I'm saying that in air quotations, air quotes, but, and then move on from there. Mm-hmm. The point behind this whole conversation and why we did this show is to clarify the fact that just because it says $66 million on paper, just because it says $38 million in dead cap space, just because it says that we only have $9 million in cap, you know, there's so many different variables that come along with this that can change this so quickly and so easily for everyone involved, including the Falcons, including Julio, and including the Chiefs organization or other organizations out there that may have a little bit of room and need somebody. This is not as difficult as everybody in the media is making this out. And some of the fanboys on Twitter, mm-hmm. okay, these couch GMs that think they understand everything because they read something on Google. It's not that difficult. It, and all you're basically trying to say is that in order for the Falcons to actually be in a favorable position to trade him, it's going to have to be after June 1st. They can't cut him because the dead money is that extreme. Yeah. And he's going to be traded to a contender, most likely. Because right. it said earlier today, Julio wants to win. As crazy as it was, Shannon Sharp is a mastermind. He called he him up in the middle of the show. That's, That's what I, I mean. I love Shannon. Some people, I mean, I love him too. Some people say this is tampering, but I'm like, look, we need to hear what the players really think. We need to see what's going on in these meetings. Because we can only, oh, okay, we can player can tweet, I don't want to be here. Or they could have their, their quote-unquote, um, 
manager or their agent say something. We need to hear them say a mo hear them say it like we heard Julio. I mean, that just means so much more. No, he wants to go to a contender. Okay, you want to come to contender? You got Green Bay, you got the Pack. I'm sorry, you got you got Green Bay, you got Kansas City, you got a couple other teams out there that yeah. are probably gonna want you. Now it's gonna be interesting though, JP. Someone saying who? Someone said Julio wants to play with Cam Newton. The only way I'm seeing that deal get done is if Julio, if it's a player swapping away, the Patriots trade their cornerback. And I forgot his name. He's really, really, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I can't think of his name right now, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, his name slipped my mind right now. These uh, allergies are kicking my ass. No, shoot, shoot. Uh, I'm dealing with it too, man. Don't worry about that. No, like, um, I forgot his name. It's not Patterson. Oh, man. No. But basically what I'm saying, they're going to have to do like a player swap if they want to get something to go out. And the player I'm looking at, and it's right here. Stephon Gilmore. There it is. Oh, yeah, Gilmore. They, yeah. If this was because Bill Belichick's been trying to kind of get rid of Gilmore for last season. Yeah. Julio wants to get be gone. So that's a move that could happen. You trade Julio for Stephon Gilmore, do some pick swaps, trade some picks. There, That's one destination I think that's very possible that maybe some people have kind of thought about, but not really. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I know that, you know, it may not as far as Atlanta is concerned, I don't know if they want to so much trade um, Julio to the Patriots. Okay. I, I, I have heard that, but again, the Patriots are a good football team on paper right now, Oh, for but sure. it's still going to take a little bit of time for them to acclimate all these new players and get every, I mean, they're not going to be a Super Bowl team this year. It's just not going to happen. Um, it, it takes a little time to build into that, and I mean, I'm not. I can't say it's not going to happen. There's a high mm-hmm. probability it won't happen. I'll just okay. put it that way. The Packers, on the other hand, if and only if Aaron Rodgers plays this year, which I'm kind of on the fence with this situation with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't want to be there. He has made it perfectly clear he doesn't want to be there. He has made comment after comment after comment about not being there. And they have no defense. And they have no defense. Julio's been in that situation before. At least we know the Chiefs, we have a competent defense. Exactly. We I'm not saying the other defense in the league are terrible, but no. we have some dogs on this defense that's going to turn it around. Well, no we matter how you look at it, we got a top 15 defense. Easily. So, yeah, easily. easily a top 15. And the Falcons really didn't have that great of a defense in that year they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had the 28-3 lead, and that kind of mostly due to Brady throwing the pick six and messing up. And the Falcons were able to do their thing. But look, Kansas City defense is a lot better. Yeah. We have a yeah. lot more leaders. 100%. I mean, we're going to be kicking some butt this year around. Yeah. So I'm, it's a lot of different things. I'm just saying, if he really wants to come to a contender, they're not going to probably trade with the NFC. They're going to trade to the AFC. Julio, you're going to go to come to Kansas City, man. I'm telling you right now. You're going to want to go to Arthur Bryan's Barbecue, downtown Kansas City, when you first get here. Because literally, you want to come a winner, a, come to a winning team, and we have the best barbecue in the world, man. You need to come here because yeah. it would just be an awesome. We would finally have the big body wide receiver we have always wanted. And I hope, and I pray to God, and I hope the Falcons do not try to make this a situation where they get as much capital as possible. He's a 32, how old is he? 32 or 33? 32. He's he 32. is 32-year-old wide receiver who is really great but has struggled 
the last couple years in Atlanta, and I feel like he hasn't reached his true potential. And if he's with someone like Patrick Mahomes, the floodgates are going to open, and the NFL is just going to crack in half. I'm telling you right now. Uh, without without fail, I mean, the, the I tell you right now, every team in this league would explode if he ended up with us. But you know, this is just to give you guys some, uh, I guess, background on the conversation. It started off with a, a tweet put out about what our salary cap space stands at right now, per the NFLPA, which to me, that's a number that is very skewed. It always is. It's always wrong. It It's never exact by any means. And someone asked, how much do you think Julio gets paid next year by any team? And uh, the response was, um, he's actually making a reasonable number. So whatever the team trades... Whatever team trades for him gets at least gets him at fifteen point three million, eleven point five, and eleven point five again. You're hoping you can keep his athletic ability up until thirty five. Mm-hmm. That is not so much. Well, a I think it's thing. possible, but now, it's not a hundred percent correct mm-hmm. in that aspect because yes, if you're looking at the contract that he has right now, yeah, that's what it would end up being. Okay, if if you did a trade for trade, then yeah, you're going to trade that total contract to another team, which I don't know of any team out there that's going to pay a 32-year-old $60 million. Okay, I just don't see it happening. So, um, you know, somebody said, I'm not going to mention names, but somebody popped off and said his cap, his cap hit will be $11.4 million. And I responded to this because it was kind of wrong. Um it, it, it's uh, it, it's not. I mean, it, it can be, but it's not. Those are on numbers. I mean, those are that, those numbers are on paper. It's not exact. It also depends upon his structure by the two teams, meaning the Falcons and whoever he trades with. A post June first trade, they gain fifteen million and have seven million in dead cap space that can be stretched out. Stretched out. So if he really wants to play with a contender, he they may work something out to make that happen. 30, 30 to 50% offset in salary by each team. That, And then in reality, uh, it's better than the... Uh, and in reality, they're better off keeping him for one more season, but that's unlikely given the, his statements. Well, this do you think he the, could have a resurgence in Kansas City? Oh, 100%. I, I don't think he's had a bad... You know, he's, he's the best receiver they've ever had. Okay, I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's the, he's the best receiver the Falcons have ever had. He's a top five receiver in the league. Even at 32, he's still a top five receiver. So, it, in in the best situation, a post-June 1st trade with a team, eat $7 million in cap space, spread it out, eat 30 to 50% or offset 30, for, or 30 to 50% of the salary between each team, the Falcons and whoever you trade with. That would be the less, lesser of two evils. If you really want to look at it, because if they go any other direction with him, I, I mean, I just spit the numbers out. It's a huge hit for the Falcons that they can't afford. No team could eat $23 million in dead cap. They couldn't eat $38 million in dead cap. They couldn't go and not. And why would you and if, say if they cut him post June 1st? They they would gain no cap space whatsoever and have a twenty three million. They have to trade him. There's if they cut him, it's not gonna. It's not. They they have to trade him. They have to trade him. There's no possibility of them cutting him. If they cut him, they wouldn't have a football team left. 
It's that simple. They couldn't sign anyone else. They couldn't pay the guys that they have right now. There's nothing they can do besides trade him. But the numbers are skewed, and the numbers can be manipulated to where it works in everyone's favor. Maybe not so much as far as Atlanta's concerned, because no matter how they look at it, they're going to have dead, dead cap space. But $7 million is a hell of a lot better than 23 and 23 is better than 38 if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna take the three, I figured I would take the seven million and maybe eat another five or six million dollars. Have Julio restructure with the team that's going to be a contender, put him under a structure, a bonus-based structure or a Super Bowl-based uh, incentive plan, and move forward. Then mm-hmm. everybody's happy. He gets what he wants. Atlanta gets the money they need. And if we want to say the Chiefs or the Packers or whoever gets the player that they want, that's what they get. And nobody really loses. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the scenarios all over Twitter, even by these guys with check marks, it's like, I mean, I don't know if well, they've not watched what we've done over the last three years with everybody we've signed. Okay, look, we had no, we had 14, we were 14, 17 million dollars in the hole at the beginning of this season, and we're nine million ahead still. And we've signed everybody other than Matthew mm-hmm. and Breland. Okay, and we can go into Breland here in just a second. Yeah, that's fine. But that's my point is that these numbers can be manipulated in ways as long as here, listen, this is the caveat of all of this. You have to have a team, number one, that is a legitimate contender. Okay, not these fake wannabe contenders, the Cowboys, people like that. You have to have a legitimate the Rams. Now, the Rams, they're going to be a little tough, but they're not. I mean, I think in the NFC, they're going to be one of the tougher teams to beat, especially if if Green Bay falls on their ass. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it has to be a legitimate contender. Okay. It has to be somebody that actually, number one, has every opportunity and all the weapons and the coaching staff and the ability to be able to go to a Super Bowl. That's number one, because that's the, the number one thing that Julio wants. Okay. That's his number one priority. Then you have to have a GM that is savvy enough to make this happen, okay? I only know of one of those in the NFL right now that can make that happen. Brett and I'm Beach. not being Brett Beach. I'm not being a homer. I'd say that if he was with the freaking Raiders, as much as that pains me, and I want to throw up in my shoe right now, that I would say if, if he if he was their GM, which he's not, thank God. But I'm just saying. So it is a it's a it's a it's a possibility. I think that. We've got a lot of time left, and time will tell what ends up happening with this scenario when it comes to Julio Jones. The reason why we did this show was to get this out there and break it down for you guys so you don't just sit here and look at a check mark saying we can't do it, a check mark saying we only have this amount of money, a check mark saying it's going to cost us $60 million when it's not, or it doesn't have to, I should say. There's a lot of different scenarios that can make this a better situation for everybody involved. And it doesn't just necessarily mean taking over his entire contract and moving forward. Because that's never Yeah, that's definitely not gonna happen. There's not a team I out say about fifty percent of that contract minimum has to be eaten by that by by the Falcons. Yeah. Exactly. And the reason I'm saying that's because they gave him the contract, he doesn't want to be there, you need value, you gotta at least take fifty percent. Well at got, least. they've gotta come up with the money. They don't have any money. They don't have anything right now. Their best case scenario, to be honest with you which is not going to fare well with them if they do it, would be to keep him for one more season. One more season would end a lot of problems for the Falcons. But here's the issue with that. 
Julio's extremely unhappy. He's made them some statements now with <laughs> Shannon Sharp's genius, and then other statements that he's made that he may just up and sit for a year. Okay, which he can that's do. Happen. I, I don't, don't think so either. But I'm just saying it, it's a possibility. There's so many variables that can happen during this season, or with, with with this player and another players in the NFL right now. I mean, you got a Deshaun Watson that still wants to be traded, regardless of the situation that he's in. You got Aaron Rodgers that wants to be traded. You got uh, Julio that wants to be traded. And these are all top tier players that really deserve to be on teams that are willing to respect them. Number one, and listen to what they have to say. Number two, and understand that they know the game. That's number three. And all three of those players right now are not in situations that they have any say-so with anything. They don't have a voice. And going somewhere else where they would have a voice would make a world of difference, not only with the way these guys play, but also with the way the NFL is viewed, okay? I mean, it's going to change the landscape of the NFL when you got three of the top players in the NFL, two especially, but three that are actually with teams that are going to make it a competition within that division, within the rest of the league. Because you got a Deshaun Watson that's played for a team that's notorious for running players. You got an Aaron Rodgers that is playing for a team that doesn't respect him, doesn't care a thing about what he has to say, and has shit on him for the last five years. Uh-huh. And then you got Julio Jones that it has been trapped. Yeah, he got a fat contract. I well, get it. To be fair, though, he kind of pulled, played his leverage like, I want more money. And they gave it to him every time. Well, and, that, and I guess thing. he was kind of. I don't think he expected seen. it, though. I, I mean, honest with you, too. And they gave him, like, well, shoot, I mean, I'll stay here for that. I mean, because I remember seeing him. That's my get, point. Like, two extensions by the <clears throat> last one. I was like, wow. Okay. Well, and that's my whole point. I don't think in a million years do I think he thought that was going to happen. I don't think he thought the Falcons were going to come back and, and, and his agent went up to him and said he wants $66 million guaranteed that they would accept that. But they did. I, I, I think that was like an over, an overplay by his eight. Not only his eight. Hey man, but by he got paid. Stuff. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm saying I think he did it for a reason. Yeah. When he originally structured that contract or tried to structure that contract, I think he did it to maybe say, okay, it's kind of like you don't want to sell something, so you way overprice it, mm-hmm. so nobody will buy it. That's kind of what I feel like he was trying to do with Atlanta, and they bought it. <laughs> you know, I don't care if it's worth fifty bucks or a hundred bucks. I'm going to give you a fifty grand just because I want to, and that's kind of how I think he may have viewed it, and maybe his age viewed it the same way. And then when they accepted it, it was like, well, well shit, if they're going to give it to me, I'm going to take, take it. it. Yeah, you know. So that's just kind of what I'm getting at with that now. Rashad Breeland, let's get into this a little bit because we have seen some of the things he's posted on Twitter and things that people have said back to him, and it's pissing me off. I know it's pissing you off. This man deserves to be paid. He does. Okay? People can say whatever they want to say about him. I, You know, the next person that says to me, buddy, has penalties, I swear to God I'll block you because I am tired of hearing about penalties. This man plays aggressively. He is top two since 2018. 
top two. Okay. Then the now here's the crazy part about this, and this is what I think pisses me off with the national media and a lot of these media guys. One minute they're you know because two years ago, I'm not going to say this guy's name, but two years ago, this guy all he did was brag about Breland being the top cornerback in the league. Mm-hmm. Then he puts out a post and this big stupid ass article saying. Uh, buyer beware, CB buyer beware, Rashad Breland, number one buyer beware. Why? Why? Because he got suspended for something stupid and and he's basically number two in the league since 2018 and yeah, he plays a little aggressive. I don't give a shit. That dude is a beast. His percentages in fact, I can give them to you right now. His percentages are extremely low. As far as passes completed, things of that nature, he has done things that, honestly, a lot of CBs haven't. And you know what's funny? When you look at the top 5, 10, 15, 20 wide receivers that are out there right now, Marcus, I mean, uh, Marcus Peters isn't one of them. So when I get into this, I get into this for a reason because it, it's frustrating. But um, here, let me just give you Take guys your some. Take your time. About to unload a bombshell, everybody. Don't yeah. worry. Take let your you guys time. all know. So, and I I don't want to hear targets either because that's a bunch of shit too. So, <clears throat> completion uh, completion uh, completion seventy seven targets one hundred and fifty five eleven hundred yards on one hundred and fifty five targets. Okay, nine touchdowns total, total of nine touchdowns, six interceptions. His completion uh, percentage is forty nine point six. His total rating is seventy six point four. Okay, that's Breland. Gilmore, 125 uh, completions on 245 targets, 1,446 yards, six touchdowns, nine interceptions, 51% completion, 62% rating. Okay? Mm -hmm. Then you got Jalen Ramsey that everybody begged to get Jalen Ramsey here. Hey, man, I'll still take Jalen Ramsey. I'm not even going to lie. Okay, well, his numbers aren't half the field. Well, his numbers aren't as good as Breland in most aspects. Here's the thing. You know, people bitch and complain. There's five guys on this list. Humphrey, Al- I'm sorry. Let me take that. Out. One, two, three, four, five. So you got Breland, Gilmore, Ramsey, Alexander, and Humphrey. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't see Marcus Peters' name in there anywhere. But my I point know. is, Ain't here it is. Breland, since two- from 2018 to 2020, the top four NFL cornerbacks. Okay? This is him versus the top four. So he's top five. Mm-hmm. All right? His Now... Humphrey, 158 on 283 targets. Okay, mm-hmm. if you break that down, it's not that great. That's 1,562 yards. 100, Alexander, 159 um, completions on 281 targets. Ramsey, 142 completions on 252 targets. Six touchdowns and five, and five interceptions. 56.3 percentage. Okay, that's his percentage. A completion percentage and then you got his overall rating is 77.6 okay now that's Jalen Ramsey okay the one of the big big dogs in the league Rashad Breeland is 76.4 now take four games off of this because out of all of these CBs that are here right now they all played full 16 game seasons Breeland missed four games in 2019 okay so if you add those four games to it and also what people have to understand is is that when you're freaking that good, they don't target you as much. It's that simple. If you put Marcus Peters' numbers up here right now, 
I promise you he's targeted three times as much as mm-hmm. Reeland, as as Ramsey, as Alexander, as Humphrey, as Gilmore. I guarantee you he is because he gets burned more. Mm-hmm. That's my point. It's no different than Frank Clark. People <clears throat> bitch, complain, whine and cry about Frank Clark. But how many times do you see people go towards his corner? About 10% of the time. Because they know he's going to eventually break free and put you, and he's going to break your ankles. It's no different than Brashad Breeland. He's an aggressive player. People don't go to his side because they know what he's capable of. So they stay clear of him. We have been extremely lucky to have a Breeland and a Ward on our team. They're consistent. They're very consistent. Especially Ward. Correct. Ward has been extremely consistent. The difference between the two is only between the two is interceptions. Breeland has had interceptions, more interceptions than Ward has. But Ward, his completion percentage is a hell of a lot better. Breeland is just as good. He's just Mm -hmm. more aggressive. You know, I'm watching highlights of him over and over and over again in coaches film. He's been called for ticky-tack penalties when he trips and falls and his freaking pinky-fingered uh, nail touches a guy's uh, cleat and he gets called for pass interference. Mm-hmm. That you can't, That's something he couldn't control, but he got called for it. That's a penalty. Okay, stop bitching about penalties. Like we said this, I've said this, I listened to Marty Schottenheimer say it, I even told Philip Magruder this, and I think he even posted it on his page. I stood and listened to Marty say, when you're playing that position, if you don't get at least one or two penalties a game, you're not doing your damn job. And that's just the way it is. Breeland is an ex- aggressive player. He's still a top five CB in this league. We have Sneed. We've got Baker, Ward, Breeland. Who else do we got? Who's that Minton, new kid inside? Bo I mean, the future is very bright. In my cues, the future is very bright. It is very bright. Why not keep a guy if you can, if you know he knows the system, he can teach these younger guys how to play? Because look, Breland's 29 years old. Okay. He's going to be going into his 30th year, uh, 30th birthday in this next upcoming season. So why not keep a guy that not only has all the abilities in the world, but also is able to teach these young guys the techniques that he has, maybe critique them a little bit more than he got, because I don't think people understand his upbringing, Breland. He didn't have it that great, okay? But he fought through his adversities, Mm -hmm. and he's done everything he can possibly do to become who he's become. So stop, you know, we put out a post about Breland, and he needs to be paid and I read some of these replies. No. Chris Jones was the one who did that. Well, Chris, you know what? No. I really have the instinct to jump the route. Look, not only that, dude, tell me something. That was that was one of the most, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care if they get mad at me or not. That was an ignorant freaking ass statement. Because <laughs> I replied to this statement. Do you know how many fucking interceptions are caused because your line disrupts the quarterback? About 80% of them. That's kind of what's supposed to happen. Exactly. And yeah, Chris Jones did do that. But it was great that Breeland was there because he's been playing the league for many years. Correct. Most interceptions are caused because your line or your mid, your mid, your, your secondary causes that interruption within that quarterback and makes him throw off target. So then your, your, your CB, your strong safety, whoever it may be, is right there to pick up the slack. That's the point behind it. 
yes, you're going to have guys out there, and I will give Marcus Peters props on this because he has been a great ball hawk, and he's been able to read eyes and mm-hmm. watch. Uh, Deion Sanders was very good at it as well. Yes. There's guys out there that are great ball hawks but can't tackle. They can't mm-hmm. block something. If something does get caught, they just olay the fuck out of him and let him run right by you. At least Breland tackles the guys. That's true. He puts them on their back. That is, that so, is true. Breland does tackle more than Peters. Yeah, he does. So the whole point behind this is, is that he's you're an interception. 80 percent of the time is caused because of what your front line guys do. Your defensive line does. Okay, your first and your second group, your first and second core, right there. When they disrupt that quarterback, that quarterback throws off target. Exactly. That's get, what's supposed to happen. So everybody that said, yes, Chris Jones, he disrupted the quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo threw a bad pass because of that reason. And Breland was right there to pick up the slack where he was supposed to be, Mm -hmm. and he made the interception. Okay? There's a lot of guys, to be honest with you, that are CBs in this league, ranked way above top five, that would have not even been within 15 yards of that pass. They would have been somewhere else downfield or looking at a ref or... Whatever the case may be, he was paying attention and he saw what was coming. Mm-hmm. He watched it happen. One guy said it and I said, well, you know what? Do me a favor. Go out there and I'd love to see you try it one time. And I saw that. Buy- and then he says, well, I'm not a whiny uh, millionaire crying about contracts. And I said, and, no, you're a and Let me say something, JP. Let me say, and I don't mean to cut, cut you no, off. go ahead. But I get really annoyed when we have these fans want to say, well, if I was making a million dollars, you know what, man? Look, so you're telling me you want to make a million dollars. And be in the worst job possible. These players grind all their life. And to see them make millions of dollars on a bad team, yeah, you could say take the money, but they want to win. They didn't get to the league and just be satisfied. Oh, I'm getting the million dollars. They want to have the million dollars and they want to win. So it just shows me that people are kind of just talking out of the behind sometimes. They don't really understand what they're talking about because these guys want to compete too. It just no. anchors me when people are like, well, Jalen Ramsey should be complaining about wanting to leave. Jalen Ramsey's balling in was balling in Jacksonville and was not receiving any help on the offensive None. part. They were None. struggling year after year after year. Aaron Rodgers is balling and making money, but he wants to win, man. He wants to go another Super Bowl. And you're telling, okay, yeah, he's making all that money, but he wants to win. Money comes and goes. But his name will be on that Super Bowl trophy he wins. Mm, if he can forever. win another Lombardi, that's going to be on the thing no matter no matter how many 100 years from now. And I'm being animated because it kind of gets annoying to me. It does. People, people will say this. The guy from the Broncos tore the killers. Oh, he's making millions. He'll be all right. Money does not make the pain go no, away. It Money doesn't. never makes the pain go away. I don't understand why. But look, you can make millions of dollars and be the saddest person in the world. Yep. It doesn't matter. Money does not buy happiness in the day. And it just frustrates me. People are like, oh, he's whiny millionaire. Duh, duh, duh. You know what, man? Maybe some of these people need to go in these players' shoes and grind ever since they were in middle school all the way to now in the league. They are here and they want to win. And yeah, they want the money. Who doesn't want the money, JP? But they want to win. They want to win. It's plain and simple. And for people to continue to say, Stupid stuff like, oh man, they're making all this money. Da, 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 da. You know what, man? You go to, to go. Okay, I want to ask these guys. What is the worst job you could ever think of? And you get paid a million dollars to do that. Are you still doing that job, or after a while, you're gonna want to let out? Because eventually, 
your happiness is gonna out your happiness is gonna weigh in on your decision. You're gonna exactly because exactly. look, I'm telling you right now, money is not the root of everything, and it can cause problems. And people want to be in situations where they can have fun. Well, here's what this guy's. Here, I'll tell you what. This and is, I'm this sorry for the rant, but this... No, no, you deserve to, man. Everybody, I mean, you deserve to. It's really I, annoying. It's fucking annoying. Now, here's what it is. We put out that post a couple of days, yesterday. Mm-hmm. It said, Rashad really needs to be paid, deserves to be paid, and it's actually him intercepting the ball. And if you're watching this play, people, when he intercepts this ball, he's running towards the sidelines, okay, at mm-hmm. pretty much a full sprint. This asswipe says laugh out loud one of the worst interceptions ever almost stepped out of bounds before he secured the ball he should have ran up field more okay you know what? wait man. a minute hold on here's the mm-hmm. deal though dude that's not even a correct statement that's a stupid ass statement and everybody else blasted him for it because number one he was running sideways number two when he yeah, caught that ball mm-hmm. his legs were spread He's watching the ball, not his feet at that point, because he wanted to make sure he got the interception. He didn't step out of bounds. And if and this is what I replied to the guy. I put, one guy told him to sit his ass down. It was an interception in the Super Bowl, one of the biggest games I've exactly. seen since he played last time. That helps get play. three points. Exactly. I said, let us all know when you can get, get a pick in the NFL. Would love to see it. He put back, I'm not a pro player whining about contract. I said, no, you're definitely not. You're a couch GM whining about an interception that most of the time are caused by disruption from the line that puts a quarterback in a position to make a bad throw. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. And you can look at that play and say, okay, yeah, if Breeden would have changed this, that would have been a pick six. But that doesn't matter. Breeden has played NFL for many years, and he saw that coming and got the interception. That's all that matters. Would it have been nice if the Chiefs got a pick six? Yes, but that did not happen. No, that did not didn't. happen. He got the interception that helped the Chiefs get a field goal. And that's all we needed because we didn't win that game and it was very crucial. What if we didn't get that interception, JP? We could not. We, the Chiefs probably would have not even won the Super Bowl. That just no. shows you plays happen for a reason. You have exactly. to capitalize and really capitalize. Well, you know, and these guys, like I said, they're, you know, they, they talk a lot of shit. They run their mouths from the couch. They've never played a sport, I guarantee it. And if they did, they sucked at it. Because if they don't know any more than what they're speaking on Twitter, then they shouldn't speak and they definitely shouldn't watch sports. Because this is something that, as we've said time and time again on this show, it's one of the hardest positions to ever play. And in fact, in my opinion, the hardest position to play. And you're sitting here bitching because he didn't run upfield another half a yard? Well, get your fat ass off the couch and go try it. Let me see you go out there and try to keep your eye on seven different things and still intercept the ball. And, and that's try to another keep... thing. Breland is not a man corner. He plays in Spags offense where he has to cover two different parts of the field sometimes. I mean, exactly. I with no help sometimes. Breland, well, when Breland got an interception against Tom Brady, the first time, no, again, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl that year, when they played Tom Brady, he got the interception. People were like, oh, Breland was out of. Was out of cover. Da, 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 da. No, Breland was actually in the right space covering two different defenders. Exactly. And he was able to get the interception. So people need to actually not make assumptions about the tape and actually hear what the coaches have to say and study for themselves because you really think he's going to be put in that situation? Yes, Breland's gotten burnt before. It happens every cornerback. Every Dion got burnt. burnt. Jalen Ramsey got burnt. Yeah. I mean, a Trayvon Diggs gets burnt. But look, he was there in the right place at the right time. So Makes he no knows what sense. he's doing. 
And here's so the people, thing, man. Mm-hmm. These guys want to bitch. I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, but these guys bitch and complain about a sport that they couldn't they couldn't get in if they they can't even. It's hard for them enough to get into the nosebleed section to watch the game, much less play the game. And yet they're bitching about something they could have never even thought about playing. If you're an NFL player for a reason, these guys are NFL players for a reason. As much as it pained me to see Philip Gaines out there, he grinded to get there. And I know people don't like Philip Gaines. And hey, he wasn't my favorite player to watch, especially after he let that interception go through his hands. Gets the Steelers week six. In the 2017 season. Hey, yeah. he grinded and got to the NFL at that point. So, yeah. look, props to him. You're going to have guys who get in the NFL and struggle. He obviously just wasn't good in Sutton's system. Maybe he would have been better in SPAC's system. But at the end of the day, these guys get here for a reason. And How many guys would be better in, out of Sutton's situation? I mean, Marcus Peters probably would have been better in SPAC's situation if he had just changed his attitude, which he probably would have if he'd had SPAC's as a He would have been able to ball hawk a little bit more, possibly. I well, I think so. if he'd have just played the position I mean, more He wanted of, to get paid. And the he Chiefs wanted to get paid, yeah. and he wanted to also – he wanted to play it on his terms instead of the terms of what the position really entails. Mm-hmm. And the position entails more than just – interceptions mm-hmm. it's that simple you have to be able to you're a multifaceted player in that position now here's another thing that i brought up yes we have keys we've got baker we've got breland well hughes now hughes i should you say talk about him yeah we got hughes which is a great player Forms. people want to underestimate him but somebody said well breland's not a slot you know he doesn't what? play slot. He doesn't, he doesn't play, play slot. slot. But you know what's funny about it? It's that three of the five CBs that we have can play slot. Yeah. So what does it matter if he plays slot or not? And let me just say this, JP. Beach on the defensive end, defensive line. He finds defensive players that can play all over the line. Yeah, cornerback, he, he finds players that can play. Cornerbacks, he can play every position in cornerback for the most part. Same thing goes for a linebacker. Beach just doesn't get a guy just because he gets him. He gets him because they are versatile. That means they can play multiple than one position on right. set line. Prime example, Tyron Matthew can play safety, free safety. He can play cornerback. He could possibly play in the slot if they need him at one yeah. point. I yeah. mean, he's versatile. He can come down the box. I mean, Tyron Matthew is just that great of a corner. I mean, just that great of a safety that can play many different positions if exactly. need be. And you got that. And you can see the same thing when he with Noah Gray, you can see the same thing with um, with Tyreek Hill because he can play special teams, he can play a running back, he can play a wide receiver. There's so many different things he can do. The tight end that we just picked up, uh, what's his, I just said his name and I know it's spaced it off. Noah Gray. Noah Gray. Okay, he can play fullback, he can play tight end, he can play wide receiver. He can do a lot. He's a multifaceted player. Veach is finding guys that can fill shoes in different positions than other than what they're title calls them okay what their title entails you need that's, versatile players in the nfl because if you just have and i know that's one reason kind of thinking hey if you get julio jones they're gonna probably cut someone like d rob because that's frustrating though because d rob plays wide receiver but he can also play special teams julio's not gonna play special teams no. so they're gonna have to find someone else but sometimes you have to make the moves necessary yeah. And Julio Jones can help this team on offense yeah. a lot more than what can happen. So I'm not really worried. But you need to find versatile players, especially in the draft, because when you do that, it makes your world so much easier. You can plug it and does. go sometime. Yeah, I, I, I guess it's just to me, it's just 
it's too much to listen to sometimes. And, you know, you got these guys out here posting NFLPA numbers and shit like that. Then all the fans seem to think that's all the money we're going to have. That's all the money we ever have. It's, it's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. The media causes a lot of this problem and it's a vicious cycle. There's some of these guys are great guys. Don't get me wrong. And then some of them just post shit to post it. So well, they can get actually, this is kind of funny, JP, because Jig Jacobs put out the Chiefs have nine million dollars in cap. Someone, someone quoted the tweet and said, "In beach dollars isn't that?" He quoted someone quoted the tweet and he said, "In beach dollars isn't that like four trillion?" It is. And Nick they retweeted because Nick Jacobs understands. Yeah, that's kind of a set number, but Veach can make anything happen. Anything is possible with Veach. Now here's the anything. thing: if I would have put that post out. If I would have put now, that's just this is just me. Mm-hmm. If I would have put that post out that said, according to the NFLPA, the Chiefs have nine point seven eight million dollars left, but in Veach's numbers, that really means nothing. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have worded that, or something of that effect. Not just that we have because you have fans out here, and we see it all day long, every day, especially with the stuff that you and I put out daily. That fans see one thing. They don't even read the entire post. They see one thing and they never look backwards. They never look forward. They never remember what happened last week. All they see is that number right there. So if it would have been me, I would have put, yes, the Chiefs, in retrospect, have $9.78 million left. But that can change immediately with Veach. That can change with the trade. That can change in many different ways. There's so many other ways of wording it because all this does is stir up controversy that everybody has to defend. And then you have guys out there that want to put out something so blatantly stupid as, well, we're going to sign Julio Jones. And then, no, we're not going to get Julio Jones on another tweet, same person. And then an hour and a half later, oh, we're the dark horse. What the fuck? Either you're in or you're out. If you don't know, don't say it. For Christ's well, sake. And man. that's one thing I've kind of noticed. So people have been back back have been going back and forth from the Julio Jones. And I feel like people should take more of a definite stance because I think it's possible. And I'm gonna go into the crowd that says it's gonna happen. Because with Veach, anything is possible. Now I can understand because there's so much misinformation going out there. But I know people are coming across and it's making them change their assumption. But as I just read, the Chiefs had nine million dollars in cash space. Someone said it's not four trillion Veach money. That's yeah. basically kind of what it is. So look, we just need to sit back and see. At least we know Kansas City is doing their due diligence, and there's a chance. Yeah. And now, uh, basically, those... what, you're, what that's saying to uh-huh. me is, if, if you were, okay, and I know this would say this to you and most intelligent Chiefs fans, going, I would look backwards. Okay, I would look back to, uh, let's say, January, I'm sorry, let's just say February 15th of 2021, and we were $17 million or $14 million under the cap, mm-hmm. okay? And then a month later, we were $37 million in the in the black. Okay, it, I would say, okay, so $4 million, or we got $9 million left, okay, so that's great. We got $9 million, so that could easily turn into 18 to $20 million in about five minutes with each. But instead, people go, well, fuck, we can't, we can't do this, we can't do that, oh, we got $9 million. No, that's not the case. There's so many different variables. We can sign Breland, and, and if we wanted to, we could sign Julio Jones with the right structure right now and still have $9 million sitting in cap space. 
It's how if we you work did this with the numbers. Right. It's all in how you, how you sit work down and work with the numbers. Yep. And as far as I'm concerned, Braylon needs to come back. And if we sign Julio Jones, that's fantastic. I hope we do. But right now, my focus is, and our all everybody's focus should be the same. Make this team better. Let's do what we have to do. Or let's say, let me let me rephrase that. Let Veach does what do what he has to do to make this team better because he's always Let done each work. Let him do his job. Quit worrying about thinking you know how to do his job because if you did, you'd be in that fucking war room, not him. So let's leave it at that. One thing, last thing I want to say before we wrap it up, I want Rashad Breeland to stay on this team. I believe he said he adds so much value to this team that people don't see because all they see is, you know, they look through these blinders and they see one thing and one thing only, but they're not looking at the broad picture of this, the broad spectrum of all of this. They're not looking at the big picture. Breland brings a lot to this team. He brings a shit ton to the table. He's done a lot for this community that he did not grow up in, but he's yeah, done he a helps, lot to yeah, this he, community. He does a lot. He goes helps. I forgot. I think the team is central in Kansas City. He yeah, helps he did. went out and helped team. Central High School. Yeah, he, he's I mean he's a he's a model citizen. He, he helps anyone. He's spreading the knowledge and the wealth of the, in the game to other kids, and that's awesome. You don't see some players do this. No, they only do it within their hometown. Most of and the I time, would say guys... and I would say this too. And I feel like the reason why it's getting highlighted because when Marcus Peters was in the Kansas City, he was doing stuff, and all the media, Kansas City media, was focusing on the bad. And I think people kind of finally bashed him enough they to realize, oh, well, we need to focus on the good that the players do because there exactly. is some good. Because Marcus Peters over in Kansas was making sure kids had school supplies and giving them fairs and stuff to go to. Exactly. I mean, as bad as, you know, Marcus Peters had his issues, and I'm, nobody can deny that, but he still tried to help people because he exactly. didn't the best either. Okay, so give these people a break. Was I a huge Marcus Peters fan at the end? No, I was not. But I will say, and I will respect this man for what he's done in Kansas City and what he did for Kansas City as a community. Okay, as a group, in a group effort, he did a lot for the community. So is Brashad Breeland. Okay, so people need to take note of this because... Every year has been a one-year contract, but he didn't. So, in my opinion, if he did, if he was a five-six-year contract guy, a lifer that was guaranteed that he was going to be here for the next five or six years, okay, yes, he does things for the community. He's going to live in for the next five, six years. But he's been one year, one year, one year, one year. Every and he's still doing things for this community that he doesn't have to do. Most guys in his position would be back where they grew up at every off-season doing whatever they could do for their community only and screw the place that gave them the one-year contract. But he's helping us just as much as he helps everybody he else. He spreads the love around. He helps yes, everyone he, he can. And Breland's a great guy. He, is he does great stuff guy. in his hometown, and he's doing stuff helping here because I think he wants to be a coach. And I could see him working with those players and seeing what they say about him. They respect him. I think Breland will become a great a coach and will become a great one one day. Oh, man. Can you imagine... I, I 100% agree with you, and I think he'd be a great. I think he'd be a great CB coach, and he'd be a great safety coach as well. I think he would help in both areas because he knows both positions, and I think he'd be great at that. So everybody, give the man a break. If he wants to vent on Twitter, who gives a shit? Let yeah, him let him vent. Don't yeah, let him vent because at the end of the day, everyone's trying to speculate 
half the time, I think it's kind of funny when players kind of vent on social media. They think it's about the team. And it's about something completely different. It and is. it's kind of funny when these players call them out because these people are just nosy. Yeah. They're not going to tell you what's going on in their life. No, it's they're just like when Tyron says they, something. Going, Every time Tyron Matthew says something, oh, God, I'm are like, you leaving? Wrong. Are you leaving? Stop. Don't just, leave. I, stop. I just bought your jersey. I just bought your jersey. Don't leave. What am I going to do with your jersey now? Fuck off. Just grow up and let the man vent. That's what they do. They don't have an outlet most of the time, so they're able to do it in a way that they can do it. If he says something or anyone else, unless they flat out come out and say, God, I hate I this freaking team. I don't want to be, be here. Then <laughs> shut the hell up and let him vent. Don't sit there and speculate and then start calling them names because you think you know what they're saying when you have absolutely no clue what the hell they're talking about. Just like the guy that keeps saying, oh, well, Bishaba just wants his money. He just wants his money. He just wants his money. You don't know what the hell he wants. In retrospect, from what I understand and what I've been told, he wants a year contract with the Chiefs. That's what he wants. So get off his back. Let the man talk. End of story. Fuck, we've got a Super Bowl team for the next freaking 10 years. Be happy with what you've got because we rode this wave when a lot of you 20-year-olds and 18-year-olds that are bitching about this weren't around when we rode this shit wave. So just please be respectful of these guys. They're human beings as well. They deserve the respect. Go on there and say, hey, we're happy to have you. Every time one of those guys posts something, First thing I say is, we're happy to have you. Thank we're you glad for being you're here. We appreciate Thank you for it. Being and here. if you go, we will still respect you. Exactly. I mean, seriously, these people are humans at the end of the day, too. Damn right. With that being said, this is going to be called The Rant Show because I had to rant, you had to <laughs> rant, and that's what this is. The Brashad Breeland, Julio Jones, Saga. Julio Jones Rant Show is what this is. So, guys, be prepared because it's coming. I hope, uh, you know, you can get mad if you want. You can understand it if you want, or you can just go back in your mom's basement and bitch and cry and have her make you some freaking ramen noodles. I don't really care at this point. This is the truth. This is how it's going to be. This is how the NFL works. If you don't like the fact that they're millionaires, don't watch football. If you're pissed because you're not a millionaire, find something that'll make you one. You hate your world, change your world. It's that simple, but don't try to make somebody else's miserable because you're not happy in yours. With that being said, that's all, that's all we got for tonight. Um, hey, have a great night, Cheese Kingdom, and a great rest of your week. Peace See you next time, Cheese. See you next time, Cheese Kingdom.